Welcome to the Full Circle Show. The Full Circle Show is the artist podcast. Every week, we bring on artists who share their journeys within their creative field in hopes to inspire, inform, and entertain you, the listener. Hope you enjoyed this episode. On this episode, we talk with Carlos Jimenez. Carlos is a sports video producer. We talk about his upbringing in Chicago, his experiences in film school, working in the sports industry as a videographer, and the relationships and experiences that he's been able to build with established athletes in their industry. That and much more on episode 20 of the Full Circle Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Full Circle Show. To be honest, guys, I don't know what episode we're on. I think we're on 18 at this point, but there's just so much stuff going on that I I forget. But I think this is episode 18. Uh, There's a few that I haven't gotten to in terms of editing. But uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's guest, Carlos Jimenez. What's up, brother? Hello. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm feeling grateful and just happy to be here. Dude, that's something that um, just speaking with you a few times, it's like, you're, you're grateful, and I, and I and I think it's it's um it's important to really you know be grateful, and that that's something that really stands out about you. And you, it, I think it's a foundation, you know, for just how positive and and how impactful you are to the people around you. Really, thank you. Yeah, I, I um every morning, and I'm put your listeners on game right now. This is this is my morning routine. I'm going to share with you guys right, right now. There we go. Um, I've been doing this for the last two years, I think. I read it in a book, I believe, somewhere. Wherever I picked it up, thank you for whoever introduced me to this. But every morning when I wake up, before I even set foot on the ground, um, I am grateful. I just, you know, start giving gratitude, showing gratitude for the day. I'm like, I they say things like, universe, you know, guide me in my day here. Help me make the best decisions. You know, I'm grateful to wake up another day and, you know, to be breathing here. And then I'll put my feet on the ground and start my day, go on about, you know, the next things I'm going to do. But before I do anything, I have to, you know, show gratitude. What kind of effect do you think that has on you? A uh, total, totally positive effect because it sets, you know, my day off in the right direction um, instead of just getting up, you know, scratching my eyes or whatever and yawning and making coffee. Like I take time to set my mind right first, for, first and foremost, set my mind right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's been doing it for two years and, you know, it works out so wonderful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's super important. I, th- I think it's uh, how you said it. It sets you off on the right foot in terms of the direction of your day. You're starting off on a positive note. And, uh, you know, if you can do that, then, you know, it's only up from there, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. So everyone, just give it a try, at least for a five days and see how that goes for you guys. But I can guarantee you it's going to be a very positive effect for your life. Try it out, guys. Let us know how you feel after. How, how long do you say? Just even the first day? Yeah, I just, yeah, on the first day, you'll notice. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be long. You could do this for 20 seconds, but just before you even start your day, just, you know, show gratitude. And it can be something simple, yeah? Very simple, bro. Very simple. I'm telling you, it's, it's magical. It's magic. Try it out, guys. Let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think we sometimes don't look back enough, you know, in, into just everyday things that we live through. And, you know, we, we do take it for granted sometimes and, you know, maybe not intentionally, but um, it, it has been just crazy. You know, we look back, we were talking before the podcast, you know, just, you know, kind of going through your story in terms of like the you know, opportunities that you've been, you've had and 
they happen so fast that sometimes you want to slow down and and really enjoy those moments and soak them up for what they are. So I, I, I kind of want to start back to where everything really started. Um, you're originally from Chicago? That's correct. Yeah, from Chicago. And I moved to California, I think 2017. So I've been in, Sa- in Sacramento specifically. I moved to Sacramento in 2017 to work for the Sacramento Kings. Um, and I've been here ever since. And I love it. <laughs> but it, it was always a dream of mine to come to California. So I love being in California. Mm-hmm. What, what about California kind of attracted you? So I came to visit LA um, in 2016, and I remember I was I was at the ocean on a Venice beach. I was sitting at the ocean, just I think I was meditating or listening to Frank Ocean probably. And in that moment, my my whole like everything in me just felt like I was at peace, and I was like, wow, I want to feel like this all the time. Like I just felt really good. And I was like, I think this is what I need. I need to come closer to the ocean so I can feel this all the time. And six months later, I moved to California. And any, on any weekend where I'm free or anything, I'm like, I'm going to go to the ocean today and just go kick it there. Like that's to me is my favorite thing to do is just go to the ocean, sit there and stare out or read a book or just take in the vibes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I moved out here. Yeah, man. It's, uh, just connected with nature. And I think California has a lot of that and you know, the, the ocean, the mountains, you know, just everything really. Um, yeah. I, I was, I just, I just came back this weekend from death Valley. I went down to SoCal and I was camping in the desert for two days and just sitting out there on top of sand dunes and just looking out at the mountains and yeah, just contemplating being, being grateful and, you know, hanging. Yeah, pretty much. I have two days with Three, almost three days with absolutely no service, and it was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I bet. I mean, just there's this sense of well, peace, but I think, you know, at least from my experience, just mindfulness of being like just here. And we talked about it, you know, before where it's just like you're just so present, and you know, it's just like, yeah, it's just a sense of peace. Um, I want to touch back. You know, give us a quick summary, a, a, a run through of, of, um, I guess your childhood, you know, and, you know, any, any, um, artistic endeavors that you pursued as a child or, you know, were just kind of drawn to. Yeah. Uh, always growing up, I, th- I loved art from just as far back as I can remember. And I think that love came from my father as he used to draw for me all the time. And I was just fascinated with all these drawings. And as I got into school and middle school and high school, I was just always into all the art classes. Um, painting, drawing, ceramics, whatever art related, I was always into it. And then I discovered photography and filmmaking when my dad got a camera. And then that just, when I, when I found that, I was like, this is it. This is, this is it for me. It was like instant love. So, uh, film and photography have been, I guess you would say my first love along with, you know, uh, painting and drawing and ceramics, things like that. What experiences did the camera give you or, or share with you? Um, I, just the ability to create and, uh, to create with my friends and my like family and do things together. Um, that was a lot of fun growing up, you know, being creative with them. What what were some of the things that you would, would you just kind of just film everything? Um, funny, we would, we would create our own little TV shows. Like, I don't know if you remember Jerry Springer. Do. Do. We would yeah, just yeah. make like mock Jerry Springer episodes. Um, yeah, it sounds so ridiculous now, but that's just what we were doing as kids because 
we watched Jerry Springer. So we're like, let's just recreate Jerry Springer and just film him. Um, but that was like super, super young, if I can remember. Uh, and then in high school, I did a lot of sports videos there for our basketball team, our football team. Um, so that's kind of where what I was doing when I learned editing, which was, I think it was Premiere, but like super, super old Premiere. <laughs> like... Well, when you were on well, Premiere, what, 14, 14.0? Yeah. So it was, it was Premiere back in 2003. I was learning how to use it, uh, shooting football games, high school football games, high school basketball games, and then editing them together. High school yearbook, things like that. What were some of the, looking back now, is kind of like your more ambitious moments from that time? Ooh. I know I did a a highlight video to DMX, to a DMX song. And that was like the most ambitious. I was just happy to be able to use DMX in a, a high school football highlight video. Um, yeah, that, that, those were like the ambitious ones. It was a lot of fun though. What was, what's like your biggest takeaway from the, that time? I mean, you're like, was there a class that you were in that, that kind of taught you? Yeah. Or were you learning on your own? Yeah, or? yeah, there was a media class that we had. Um, and what I, my takeaway from it is that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Like I just had so much fun in it. And I was like, this is it. Like I was at the same time I'm taking math and science and all the other classes, but I had zero interest in any of that. It was like, no, this is it for me. Like this is what you I want to do. fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I took a filmmaking class or an editing class. Once I, once I discovered it, I took it every single semester. Like how can I get back into that class? How can I get back into that class? And I did that, you know, all throughout high school. Do you, did you see like other students or classmates have that same drive that you had? Yeah, there was a, there was a couple and those were usually the ones that I would uh, bond with the most or hang out with the most and talk to the most. Cause I was like, Oh, those, those kids are into the same thing I'm into. Cool. I'm going to hang out with them. Mm -hmm. so. How do you guys help each other? Um, let me see. We would just, we would create together a lot. A lot of the times we would create each other, uh, but we created different types of work. So it was just like, I had friends that were creating quote unquote high school movies, you know, and I was doing highlight videos. So it was a little bit different, but you know, we, we still work together. So as a jump to film school, like this, the discussion of film school now, you know, from high school to, to college is way different now. How was the discussion back then? I guess, you know, between you and your counselors, you and your parents. Yeah, a great question, bro. Great question. Cause a lot of that has changed and my, ment my mentality towards college has changed. Uh, I went to, I didn't go straight to college after high school. I joined the Marine Corps and I did that for a couple of years. And then once I got out, I went to college. And at that time, which was 2007, eight maybe, uh, at that time, everything was still being shot on film. And at, at our school, we shot everything on film. Um, so I knew that if I wanted to get into filmmaking in California, here in Hollywood or you know whatever, commercials, I had to go to film school. Like that was the route. So I said, all right. I, and at the same time, I also wanted to go to film school. That was like a dream of mine. Uh, I went to Columbia College in, of Chicago in downtown Chicago, like the best location of, you know, many colleges. It's, it's amazing. It's like downtown Chicago, right in front of Grant Park, just phenomenal location. So I was like, that was my dream school to go. Um, so I went there and I shot everything on film at the time. And as I was graduating, uh, the film industry completely changed and we went digital. So everything I learned in film school, I no longer had to apply because we were now using like the Canon 7D and the Canon 5D to create instead of just, you know, shooting on film. Um, but at the time, like you had to go to film school to learn film too. Like there, there wasn't YouTube tutorials the way that they are now. 
I mean, there is, but not to the extent that there is now. So if you wanted to learn, you had to go to school. How that's changed now, I think, is that uh, if, if I met someone and they're like, hey, you think I should go to film school? I'd probably tell them, nah, just skip it. Completely skip it and go on YouTube, tell your parents to buy you a camera or you buy a camera and just learn how to do everything yourself and you'll probably be fine. Meet some people that will intern you here and there and you'll learn more on the job than you will sitting in a classroom for you know, hours and getting into debt, which is what I ended up doing. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, YouTube University YouTube. all the way. Yes. To your listeners, YouTube University all the way. No disrespect to school, except that they, you're just going to end up with, a, with tons of debt and uh, paper that you can put on your wall and show your family members. And maybe outdated information. There was a few guests on here that were, that more recently went to film school, I think maybe five, five years ago. And, um, Shout out Javi. He said, you know, he was at taking editing too and he would ask the teacher, you know, how to do so-and-so and the teacher would be like, you're going to learn that in editing three. Like if it was like a gatekeeper type of thing or he actually didn't know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's a little bit worse now because just the way things are moving, YouTube's bigger than ever. So Yeah, and a curriculum can't keep up with how fast things are moving. You know, they, they write a curriculum and it's, it'll probably stay set for like four years before anybody even touches it again and says, we need to update this. While YouTube, something new happens or whatever. We can have a video tomorrow. <laughs> you know, there's updates to Premiere. We can have a video tomorrow on that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's just, those are just my thoughts on school. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, once, <laughs> once, like you said, once things went digital, just boom, 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 technology is like, you know, to the moon type of yeah, thing, and, right? we, so. and we should all take advantage of YouTube University and use it as much as possible to, to yeah. our advantage. Like, that's such a great resource. Um, just so many amazing creators that you can follow on there. Yeah, no, 100%. It's free. You know, the thing is, you got to dedicate time, but like anything, you got to dedicate time to find the right things and put it into practice and fail and go back, find another video on how not to fail as bad or how to fix the failure and then go back. And it's just an endless loop of learning. Um, learning never ends. Never ends. I assume the way that you learned film school, like film through film school, it really, I guess, taught you a different discipline that you can't really get these days. Yeah, it did teach me a discipline. Uh, one of the disciplines I remember is uh, before you hit record, you got to make sure and check everything because we would get a roll of like 80 feet and that's maybe like five minutes of filming. So you can't just film everything all the time because you're gonna run out real quick and then you gotta load up another one. And those, those films would cost like 60 to 80 bucks. Yeah, and so it could get expensive. So we would have to you know, make sure the shot was perfect before we even shot it, rehearse, 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 shoot. Now you have a, you know, a digital camera, you can shoot as much as your card will hold. So those are the little bit, little, you know, some of the differences that are very apparent. What's the mental checklist? in your head before you even take the shot, you know, but back then or maybe even now, you know? Well, I'm, I, I am big on composition. So I always check the composition before I'm happy with it. Like, all right, am I going to, is this telling, you know, what, what I want to want to tell through composition? So yeah, before I do anything, I check composition. Um, and then sound because <laughs> you want to have good sound too. Mm -hmm. How important is sound? Oh, very important, man. Very important. How many, how many times have you watched the YouTube video where you're like, this sound sucks, and then you just switch it? Content might be good, but if the sound sucks, you're probably going to change it. So mm -hmm. There's this thing I saw a while back where it's like, you can watch a, a video that has decent sound, you know, or ha has a, sorry, wait, how did it go? Has a, 
Yeah, yeah, you can watch a video that has decent sound and, you know, terrible, you know, video quality, but you can't watch a video that has good quality, video quality, but terrible sound. Like there's just something about it where it's like, no, I'm going to click off because it just sounds horrible. Even if it looks good, it just clicks off. Absolutely. There's a disconnect that happens and you're just like, Mm -hmm. bye. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think if done right, it just enhances everything, bro. Like it, it really does separate a lot of videos a lot of videos in terms of just the sound production on it. Yeah, there's a, there's tons of great sound design people. So shout out to the sound design people. You guys are magicians. Being around teachers in film school, you know, even that you know they had a different discipline. They learned different ways. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you had, or biggest lessons learned from the teachers themselves? Uh, one teacher once taught us uh, or told us a story about him shooting a commercial. And this was a big production, but the clouds just weren't exactly the way he wanted them. And he had the crew come back three different days, I believe, until the clouds were pretty much perfect. And then he got his shot. So what that taught me was just the commitment that he had to the shot. He was an amazing teacher. Like we watched some of his productions and it was like, okay, yeah, he knows what he's doing. And when I, I remember when I heard that story, I was like, okay, so that's the commitment that it takes to get like the perfect shot. Now, you know, we don't live in an ideal world where we're always going to get the perfect clouds. But, you know, I learned a lot from just hearing that story alone. It's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. It's, um, it's a whole nother level of commitment of, of just going above and beyond, even when you're not expected to, to, to really get that perfect shot, get it how you want to. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier that just as you were graduating film school, the whole film industry changed. We went digital. It was your viewpoint at the time, like, uh, of coming from a place of this is an opportunity or was it, did I just waste the past four years learning film? Opportunity for sure. Because I understood, okay, things are changing. Nothing I can do about it, but they're changing for the better because now I can afford a Canon 7D and then go out and shoot. So literally, man, as soon as I graduated, I think my parents got me the Canon 7D as my graduation gift too. I bought it off a Craigslist off some guy who uh, probably got it off a truck because it didn't come with a barcode or anything. <laughs> Straight up. I was just trying to get a cheap camera, man. I, got, yeah, I think I, got, I, I might have gotten it for $700. Um, but it was great because I got that camera for $700 and I used it for the next six years of my career and it got me to, you know, uh, the MBA, which then, you know, got me even further. But like this $700 camera, I, you know, I built my entire career off of that. So shout out to Canon and shout out to that guy for, you know, giving it off the truck truck and giving me a cheap (laughs) camera. But yeah, I saw it, I saw it as an opportunity instead of, you know, complaining or anything. I was just like, okay, I see what I have to do next. And because I did that, I think I was able to pick it up really quick and, you know, move my career as fast as I did because, you know, I just, I grabbed it. I'm like, okay, I have this camera. Now I can do whatever I want and shoot whatever Mm -hmm. I want. Yeah. Because before you would, we would, if we wanted to shoot anything, we'd have to rent the camera from the school. So now we have to rent this huge camera. We have to get film. We have, you know, do all these things. Now put a card in, boom, let's go. Boom. <laughs> I'm a rock and roll, yeah. bro. So you said you knew what you had to do. You know, it seemed like the opportunities were endless. What, I, did you have a plan? What was the plan in your head? Well, I, I didn't have a plan. I'll be, I'll be honest. I was, I was a little afraid getting out of film school because like, I didn't want to fail. And I was like, you know, I just went through these four years. I have this new camera, but now there's the fear of like, how do you get hired on a film set? How do you meet more people, make connections? Luckily, I 
uh, met a friend. Well, he's now a friend, but at the time he came into our class and he left his email and he worked for a hockey team, uh, Chicago, Chicago steel hockey team. It's a minor league hockey team in Chicago. And he came to our class, he leaves his email and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write down his email and didn't think anything of it. I wrote it down. And a couple of days later, I'm like, I'm just going to send him an email and see if they need an intern. So I did. And then I started interning there and that that's kind of where like my opportunity first started. And I started at the hockey team doing social media. This was like the very, very Instagram wasn't even around. This is the very, very beginnings of Facebook and Twitter. Um, so I remember doing social media and then he comes to me and he's like, Hey, it says, you says you're on your resume. You have film experience. You want to do some filming for us? And I was like, hell yeah. And that luckily he, you know, propelled me into shooting film for the hockey team. And you know, that just, that was my first, uh, real big opportunity. So just literally just because I emailed somebody, you know, that started it. So never be afraid to reach out to people. Never mm. be afraid to reach out to people. Yeah. It's, it's huge, man. Um, Nowadays, it's even easier with the DM, you know, you can search who you're going to message to, who you want to message to, you know, um, and uh, it can really help you get the answers to that question you were asking. You know, you're like, hey, you're saying, how do I get people to hire me? You know, and it's there's all throughout your whole career. There's always those key questions, you know, how do I get people to hire me? How do I improve this? You know, how do I get, um, you know, how can I increase my, my, uh, workflow? You know, how can I better my work? There's always these key questions that we ask ourselves. And sometimes, you know, the answer is super simple. You can always reach out to someone. Nowadays you got YouTube, you can literally just search it up. And sometimes we, we're really caught up in that fear that we really forget that we have these resources. We have people in our network that we can reach out to and, and tap in with. Oh, 100%, bro. 100%. Cause I, I know I'm not the only one that you know, leaves college and has the fear of like, how do I get hired next? I mean, you just went through school and you, maybe we have in this, in this, in our, in this, in this, in our mind, this idea that as soon as you get out, someone's just going to hand you a job. That's not the way, you know, that's not the way it works for a lot of people. So, but luckily, you know, I did the right thing and wrote down an email and then reached out because that, you know, propelled me, you know, for where I am today, thanks to, you know, making those decisions. Do you think jumping into that real world, you know, quote unquote, it's like it built grit in you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I learned so much while I was working for the hockey team and I experimented a lot and I was allowed to experiment, which was the best thing they could have done for me. It's like, they just said, go do your thing, dude. And I was like, cool. I have all these ideas. I'm just going to start doing all these things. And yeah, it, it, it definitely was, uh, the most beneficial thing that could have happened to me at that time was give me creative freedom and just let me go. Mm-hmm. What, what was your mindset, uh, going into the, you know, getting the opportunity and like, okay, like I'm, I'm filming now, I'm filming with them for them. You know, what's your mindset? Oh, I, my mindset was like, I'm going to create something new that this league has never seen. And at that time, everything that I was doing was brand new because all the other teams didn't really have a video guy the way that our team had a video guy, which was me. And I took that initiative. I'm like, I'm going to do all these new things that nobody else is doing. And now when I go back and I look at, uh, some channels from, you know, teams in that league. Now I see some of the things that I did like being implemented around the league. So that makes me really happy. Boom. Yeah. I had, I did, I left my mark. So. Yeah, dude, it's, it's uh damn, that's hella early, bro. Like, I mean, you said, or start of Facebook and everything like that. It's it, yeah. I mean, how you said you, someone comes in with fresh ideas, they make it happen. You see what works, what doesn't work. And it, it, the influence spreads, right. And you know, you, you teach the next guy or the next guy learns, you know, like, yo, Carlos did it like this, like this, like that, like that. Um, 
So with that ambition, you know, we're, we're, we're destined to fail, right? In terms of a good failure, good failure, right? Let me put that out there. Um, what were some of the, the quick things that you learned right, right off the bat that, you know, really stood out? Well, what I, what I learned to do was actually how to conduct interviews because a lot of the players that we had were like 16, 17 and 18 year olds. And most of them have never been in front of a camera. So it was up to me to put them in front of a camera because they're all going to be pros in a, in a couple of years or they're going to go to college. That's what the point of this team was, is to prepare them for the pros. So my job was to prepare them to be on camera. So I would do interviews and I would go back and forth with them one-on-one. And if their answer kind of sucked, I'd be like, let's just re-record that. And, you know, we'd go back and forth and I would coach them through it. Um, yeah, that's, that's one thing I learned. One of the players is became a freaking superstar and I've seen him now online and he's like the captain of his NHL team. But I look back and I'm like, man, I remember working with that kid so many, for so many hours back and forth, just trying to get him to get, to give better interviews and train him. Yeah. You know? So I take a lot of pride in that, that I was there to help them, you know, through their uh, professional journey as well. Yeah. So, no, dude, the media can't play with them anymore. Yeah. Like, I held them <laughs> you up. Taught him. But, but, but bro, that, that like, I, I didn't know at that time, but that was going to come like so beneficial for me way further down the road. So when I was in the NBA, like I, other than Vince Carter, I was never really nervous to interview NBA players. I was like, oh, I've done this before. It's just like, you know, I, I did this in Chicago for hockey, for a hockey team when they when kids were 17, I'll do it now when I have professional basketball players worth millions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I just, I've done it before. I can do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and I think that's, what's important about working uh, as much as you can, you know, because I, I think you're going to learn something from every single project that you do. You, uh, you may not uh, recognize it in the moment, but for the down the line, it's like, oh, I've done this before. I've been in this situation before. How did I handle it? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, c- coming into here, you know, we were talking about um, the documentary I was helping with. And one of the questions you asked me was, what, what did you learn? You know, and sometimes you don't always have to fail to learn, you know, it's, it's something as just as easy as looking back and, and reflecting, right. Reflecting on your experience and just reflecting on how you said, realizing, Oh, I've done this before. How did I handle it? You know, let me handle it the same way. Maybe tweak it a little bit and, you know, go smooth and see how it goes. So yeah, one thing that I like to think about is, uh, and I don't know where the hell I learned this, but I remember someone saying it to me once and this like, if you could do it one time, you can do it a million times, you know? So that's, that's kind of the way I live. It's like, if you can do it one time, you can do it a million times. So I've, everything I've done, I'm like, I've done that. I can do it again and maybe even bigger and better. Mm-hmm. So, And it gets easier and easier. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if it's that one thing, you know, it, it, it can get easier and easier. You know, I think there's new challenges that arise, I guess, when the, when the scale of whatever you're tackling, yeah. you know. And embrace those challenges. That's yeah. what we, that's how we're going to grow. You're, you're not going to grow from, you know, working on easy things. Like you're going to grow from being challenged. You know, you'll, uh, you'll put yourself in situations where like, damn, I didn't know I had that in me, but I do. And I'm proud of myself for it. So So when you found yourself at this, at this hockey team, kind of getting in the groove of things, what were some of the ways that you would kind of stay on your toes and and challenge yourself? By trying uh, new and different things. Like I didn't have a budget, but I wanted to create a commercial and I'm like, I'm going to create a commercial. Um, yeah, just literally just continue to challenge myself. What is nobody else doing? I would look at like professional teams. I'm like, what are they doing? I want us to present ourselves like a professional team, even though we're a minor league team with, you know, not a whole lot of budget. 
but I would look at what other teams are doing. I'm like, I can do that as a team of one. <laughs> was there was there a point where you felt that you just had to move on or, or I guess t- t- talk to us a bit about the transition phase? Yeah, I ended up working for them, I think, four years and five seasons. And towards the, I guess, towards the end of my time there, I started applying for jobs in the NBA. And that's when the Minnesota Timberwolves called me. So it was just like, all right, I'm kind of done here. Time to move on to the next big project or the next big job, which at the time, I mean, I'm in Chicago and I'm like, okay, Minnesota's only a state away. I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. So, and to be honest too, like growing up, I always wanted to be in the NBA as, as a player, not as a photographer, <laughs> because I just yeah. loved basketball that much. So uh, when I got the call to, you know, I got a job in Minnesota f- to play for the, f- to work for the Wolves. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I'm t- you know, I got to take that because this is my dream. My, it's sort of like a dream come true to be in the league. Mm-hmm. So, How do you, how do you deal with, uh, well, I guess, first of all, was there like any pressure like, being the new guy? Because, I mean, there's always that fear of like, oh, I don't want to mess up. Like I want to, I want to, you know, do right by whoever is, you know, like their management, right? Yeah. There, there was a little bit of pressure. Um, but when I started there, like one of my biggest responsibilities early on was like little intern work, like minor things, um, game day responsibilities, you know, it was very minor things, but I was so determined to show them like, oh, I'm much more advanced than the responsibilities you're giving me. So that, that stuff only lasted like three weeks before I got prom- promoted per se, um, to more like shooting and editing responsibilities. So yeah, I start I started as an intern there and moved up like really, really quick just because I already had the skills and I had those skills because I worked so many years in hockey and I had already done everything. So when I get to the NBA, I'm like, oh, I've done all of this stuff just on a minor league level. Yeah. Like, nothing changes. Nothing I mean, changes. Just you had, you even had the same mindset. Yeah, exactly. The exact same mindset, bro. It's just move, you know, just transition from one to the other. Where does that mindset come from? Man. Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. I, I know it probably comes from my parents for sure. Um, my Mexican parents of just like work hard. Uh, but my mom just instilled like so much belief in me that I, just believed I could do anything. Um, so I think I've probably fed off of her confidence in me that I was like, yeah, I could, I could do anything. Mm-hmm. But I guess where does the genuine care of like, how can I do better? How can I give them something that they haven't seen before? How do, well, where, where's that come from? Mm-hmm. I think I, in, in those days, I definitely had sort of like a, I wouldn't say a chip on my shoulder, but I just wanted to be the best in the league, even as an intern. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to show everybody, you know, what I, what I can do and what I can create. Um, I've never been really competitive. I've, I just, uh, I guess I compete with myself more than anything. Um, I do, I always did pay attention to what everyone else was doing, but just, uh, just to kind of see what they were doing. But I always competed with myself. I always try to make my newest project better than my last project and yeah, and just grow that way. Gotcha, man. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's just necessary to have that chip on your shoulder. You know, I think it's, uh, I mean, don't get it twisted. Like, you know, don't be a dick at the end of the day, but, but I mean, I think push yourself to really learn and I guess just, just compete with yourself, compete with yourself. I mean, simply put, simply put. So when you're meeting, cause I'm assuming you build relationships with some of these, uh, NBA players, right? 
building relationships with people who are constantly on TV, constantly talking with the media. Um, how is that different? You know, I, I always approached it with like, I want them to trust me because NBA players deal with media uh, all the time, but coming into it, like, yeah, I'm media, but I'm also with the team. So it's like, you know, we're kind of like coworkers. <laughs> so uh, I always want to just ensure, like, make them trust you, make them trust you that you're going to make them look good. You're making make them sound good and you're going to make it as easiest as possible. And here's a here's a pro tip for anyone that wants to work in the league or if you ever do work in any type of sports, just make it as easy as possible for them and they will love you because they got uh, players. They have so much going on that doing media obligations is the last thing they ever want to do. So if you just make it as easy as possible, they'll like you. Pro mm -hmm. tip, it never failed me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, you know, they're worrying about practice, you know, the game coming up, interviews, maybe other things that, you know, recovery. Outdoor, out, out, drama from outside of sports, just all kinds of stuff that they're dealing with. So, yeah, just try to make it as easy as possible for them and they will love you for it. What was your biggest failure at the Timberwolves? At the Timberwolves? <laughs> Man, um, let's see, biggest failure. <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but I misspell stuff often. <laughs> so I would say that that's probably my biggest failure is just misspelling things. Um, I wouldn't say that anything was ever too much of, of a big failure, but there was times when I probably should have paid a little more attention to some details here and there. But that's a thing that I've been trying to learn even since then. Uh, pay attention to some details sometimes. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, because like, yeah, I mean, sometimes you're just, you want to export it. You want to get done <laughs> oh, with the bro, video. for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, if you don't check it before sending it, you're like, oh, wow. Yep. That's misspelled. That's not how you spell that. Yeah. No, so it's, it is, I think maybe just taking a few minutes or however long the video is after you export it, just play it back real quick, make sure. Yeah. And then. I'm, I, I was notor not notorious for it, but uh, there was times when I was like, damn it, I should have just double checked mm -hmm. that. It could have been way worse. I mean, yeah. that's that's like a, you know, scratch. I, really. I always tell myself that's how you know what it could have always been worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So were you still doing photos or were you doing film? Or were you kind of doing both? At the uh, same yeah, I was time? doing both. Um, when I when I was with the Wolves, I was I was always uh, every single game day I would shoot on the court. And at that time, when I first started, we didn't have anybody shooting on the court. It was just like broadcast and like a team photographer that uploads to Getty, but we didn't have anyone from our own department, you know, sitting on the court shooting. And when I got there, I was like, well, how come nobody's on the court shooting? They're like, I don't know, we just never did that. And I'm like, well, how do, why don't we do it now? Like, well, do you want to do it? And I'm like, of course I want to do it. <laughs> so for my, I think three or four years that I was in Minnesota, like I sat down at every single game and I filmed every single one of them and took pictures at every single one of them. So I had a lot of practice. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where I got a lot of my photography, sports photography practice was because I was, you know, constantly there just boom, 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 pictures, pictures. Okay, now switch to video, shoot video, shoot video, boom, mm -hmm. boom, boom, pictures, pictures. So. How did your workflow change? from the hockey team to the Timberwolves? How did it evolve? More hours. <laughs> yeah, I just dedicated much, much more hours. Um, when I was doing the hockey thing, it was, you know, three hours here, game day, three hours here. Because uh, at the same time, I, I was still, I was actually working part-time at the Gap too. So interning at the hockey team and they paid me a stipend and then I was working full-time at the Gap. So I was like balancing, you know, trying to survive and trying to, you know, create my career. And then when I moved to the Wolves and worked in the NBA, I was just full on 
basketball. And like, I just spent so much time. Uh, I would like show up at the arena at eight in the morning, something like that. Like I was like the, one of the earliest people there and I would be leaving like at 10, 11 PM. I would be there like the whole day um, on game days. So yeah, my, yeah, I was just dedicated so much time just, to yeah. just grinding, 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 grinding. Um, and, but it paid off. It paid off. I've, I learned so much and, you know, again, just grateful for the entire experience. Do you think that, because do you think that's necessary? I mean, I, I assume your sleep schedule wasn't what it is now. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. So I, I guess, how would you explain that? Right. Because nowadays after doing that for so long, we get to the point of sleep, make yeah. sure to sleep. But back then it's like, it, it was necessary yeah, no, to go through 100%, that. 100%, 100%. It was, it was necessary and I acknowledged it. I was like, this is what I have to do to get to the next level. Especially because very early on, I was just an intern. Bro, I was getting paid like $7.10 at the time. Like, but I knew like I have to hustle to, you know, get hired on full time where they're going to pay me more. And it wasn't even about the paying more. It was just like I had to hustle more just to, you know, cr create more for myself. Um, and, and I knew it was necessary. So I never, I never, ever complained about anything, you know, like that. Um, I just did my work and kept learning and kept hustling and great things came from it. Yeah. I think it just depends on the goal that you set for yourself, really. I mean, if you want to do get to the next level, dude, that's what's necessary. If you want to stay healthy and, and, and do yeah. that, you know, it might take a little bit longer, but you know, you'll, you'll get more sleep and you'll be healthy at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah I think, I think it's just based on your values and your goals that your, your approach changes and it should change. Yeah, no, I, I get a lot more sleep now. That's for sure. But I had to hustle just to get to this point where I can, you know, sleep more often. Um, so when I was there and I was there as an intern and I like so badly wanted to move up and prove myself to myself, but also to, you know, my boss who hired me. Um, I think I was there for four, four or five months when I approached my boss with an idea I, I came into his office and I'm like, I have an idea for a TV show. Will you let me create this? And I ran it, ran it down for him. And um, I was like, I want to do an end of season, like recap of the whole team and like the storyline, kind of like a documentary, but for TV. And he was like, go for it. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I dedicated like the last two months of the season there to just capture, capture footage and tell this story of our season. Um, and we put it up on on TV and I was very proud of it at the time. Cause I was like, this came from an intern. Like, you know, I'm, I'm an intern, but <laughs> I just created our first ever TV show. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I got hired from that cause they loved it. Uh, but then the following season we, we did it again and we, we set an even bigger goal where we were all like, we want to win an Emmy off of this. So the following season we created another show and then entered it to get an award. And yeah, we got it. We got an Emmy out of it. And again, that's another thing I was like, super proud of because like I said, I started it as an intern and now we have an award to show, you know, for our work, which is great. I mean, I don't know if it was ever a dream of mine to win an Emmy, but if it was, I'm glad that, you know, it happened. And I, I ended up giving it to my mom too, by the way, it's in, her, it's, it's at, it's at our house back in Chicago. I got it and I came home and I was like, mom, this is for you. Thank you for, you know, for your support and for putting me through college and everything. So I gave her, gave her the, uh, the Emmy. How does it feel to, to just hit those milestones and hit those goals that you set? Like what kind of feelings are flowing through at that time? Man, so I'm, I'm very weird when it comes to achievements like that because I remember when it happened, I was actually in Chicago. I didn't go to the ceremony, but my boss sent us a mass text and he's like, we just won an Emmy. 
I was very proud of myself in the moment and, but I didn't like celebrate or anything. I was like, awesome. We did it. But in my, in my heart, I also knew like, yeah, we're going to win. Like we're going to, you know, so I wasn't too shocked, but I guess once you hear it, it's just good to hear it. Um, but other than that, I was just like, that's awesome. Let's do it again. Let's, let's make it better next time. Let's, you know, um, and they actually continued the TV show. And I think they've, they've won more awards because I left and they could, they've continued the TV show even to, to this day. Uh, I named, I named it track the pack. Yeah. Which was bro. I named that track the pack like six, seven years ago. And it's still named track the pack airing in Minnesota on Fox sports. That's nuts. Yeah, they, they kept it going cause they loved it. They were like, this is a great idea. Let's just keep it going. And now the Minnesota Timberwolves have a full working TV show that I was the first producer on it. Mm-hmm. They paid me $7 and 10 cents for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. That's what minimum wage was in Minnesota at the time. At the time. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, man? I mean, that's a huge impact. It's, I mean, it's great. I'm very proud of it. Um, when, my, when I see my friends post, you know, trailers for the newest season and the newest episodes, you know, there's still a little part of me that's like, man, that was my baby, you know. Um, but I'm happy that they're, that they're keeping it going. I'm really good friends with everyone that I worked with at the time and they're all still there and I still talk to all of them. So I'm just happy that they're keeping our baby alive and mm-hmm. still, still cranking. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just you describing how you felt during that time when you won the Emmy, when it was a, a, a success, um, it almost like, it just comes back to our, the idea that we talked about just being grateful. Yeah. Right. Like you acknowledge it, you accept it like dope. We got it. But there's always that thing of um, what's the next thing, right? What's the next goal? How can we do it better? Yeah. Do you think that was um, a big reason why you were always evolving in terms of your career and going to different places? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even me coming to Sacramento, I came because I felt that I had learned everything I was going to learn in Minnesota around the people that I was with. Um, I just had maxed out. Uh, so I was like, I need to get around new people with new creativity, um, you know, new goals. So I had the, so besides wanting to come to California to be closer to the ocean, I came to California because I wanted to meet new people and learn. I mean, I'm here with you right now. I would never, I wouldn't have been here on this podcast if I would have stayed in Minnesota, but so I had to be open for change, which change is freaking scary for a lot of people. I mean, myself included, I have a different relationship to change now, but at the time, like those kinds of things just seem really scary, but change is good. Change, change means you're evolving. Change means you're growing. Um, and you have to buy into it and, you know, throw yourself at that change and be like, let's do this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And when it was time, when it was time to go, it was time to go. And you know, that's how I ended up here. Yeah. Before we come to the West, oh, yeah, yeah. West coast, I want to touch up on some things that you shared with me, um, in the notes in that back in Minnesota, um, XFO. Was that over there? The, the XFL. That was uh, at the same time when I was working with the hockey team. I, I also took a job working in the XFL, which for your listeners, it's arena football. There's teams all over the country. Not not many, but at the time we had a team in Chicago and I joined the team as an intern as well, shooting game days and practices here and there. <laughs> Funny story is the team folded halfway through the season because the owner uh, just disappeared. So he, yeah, uh, I'll make it, make it quick, but the owner borrowed a lot of money from friends and then he bought the team to keep it in Chicago. And then he was sort of running it until he ran out of money and then he just disappeared. I showed up to work one day and I'm like, why does everyone look so sad? And my manager goes, oh, you haven't heard? He's like, our owner uh, is a low life and he just 
bounced. bounced. And I'm like, what? He's like, we're going to finish off the season, but you don't have to finish if you don't want to. And I was like, no, nah, nah, I'll finish it. Yeah. Um, but it was great though, because I got tons of great footage and that footage ended up being on my reel, which ended up landing me, you know, the job in Minnesota. So it was, it, that again was also part of the journey. And I learned, you know, tons of things there too. Again, interviewing players. I got to create the intro video for our, for our team. So it's like playing in our arena. And I was like, so proud of it again, intern creating, uh, creating these things, <laughs> creating intro videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that was a lot of fun. I learned, you know, a ton there. You said you, you, you mentioned here that you, you met MMA fighters. Oh, so yeah. So there's another one. I, at the same time when I was working in hockey, I also worked MMA and luckily that was only like one day events. Uh, okay. So, 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 okay. Just to clarify your previous right. statement, you, you, like when I asked you, how did your workflow change, you know, from oh, the hockey yeah. team to the, so you weren't dedicating less time. You were just, you're, you're dedicating time in different. Yeah. That, that's, that's actually true. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I, at the same time, I was like working hockey, I was working XFL and then I worked MMA. Um, I also worked in the WNBA with the Chicago sky for one season before, this is all before Minnesota. The, the MMA one happened when I was on my way home from school one day and there was a new arena built in Chicago and there happened to be a billboard that says MMA coming in a couple of weeks. And then they had the phone number to buy tickets and I, I was driving and I remember I was like, remember the number I wrote it down. And then I got home and I sent him an email and I'm like, Hey, I'm a filmmaker from Chicago local. You know, I see you guys are having an MMA event. If you guys need a film a shooter, let me know. I got an email back that same, that same night. And, and uh, the owner goes, the owner of the company goes, you know what? I was just talking with, you know, one of my partners about needing some, someone to come and film, uh, some of our events. Would you be interested? I'm sitting there like, bro, I literally just emailed you and you emailed me back. Of course I'm interested. And that led me down an entire path that like, I had no idea was coming because I ended up shooting like nine MMA events. I got to sit like right next to the cage, people bloodied up, just I mean, you know what MMA looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was very intense, but I loved MMA. So it was like heaven to me. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And from this organization, like tons of fighters have gone on to fight in the UFC. Um, because of that, I got to meet a bunch of other fighters that needed shooters too. And they would take me to their events and stuff like that. So I got to travel the country, you know, some uh, early on in my career, just going to different MMA events. Like, yeah, yeah it was awesome. I how, how exciting. UFC, I went to UFC. I went to Bellator. Um, yeah, bro. It's like all over the, all over the country. It was, it was a lot of fun. How exciting is it when, cause in the beginning you're like, Oh, I mean, they're not going to get back to me. They're going to say no. How exciting is it when they say yes and you are able to travel in UFC, Bellator, meet MMA fighters. It was, it, it was crazy. And that's, that's why I said, it's like, don't ever be afraid to reach out. Cause that was another opportunity where I was just driving and I saw the sign and I saw, you know, the phone number and I'm like, just do it you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're not going to email you or they're going to say no. But, you know, I, I got the complete opposite where they were like, yes, come. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And Did you just get that access? Yeah, just got, just got that access. And it was great though because uh, Mike, who's my friend, he became my mentor. He was one of the owners there. He pretty much became my mentor for a couple of years, um, just teaching me about business and, you know, things like that. And yeah, he opened up a lot of doors for me. Uh, but it all started with an email. Again, so did the hockey one, and so did this one. It all starts it starts with an email, and then opened up the doors. You guys, if that's something that hasn't been just emphasized in all these episodes, reach out. You know, it's not even an email these days. You can literally search people up. You know, 
their Instagram, their Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Because my, like the hockey one happened because he came into my class. The MMA one happened because I was driving the right place, right time. And it was, it was one of the digital uh, billboards. So it's like, it's, it's switching all the time. So the right one was there at the right time for me. Yeah, Yeah, bro. The universe does these things for you, man. You just, you just, you just got to follow the signs. Sometimes I'd be doing that where it's like, if it is something that I'm interested in, like in terms of like contact information or certain information that I want to get more of, I'll like slow down just so I can get it, like get it back. (laughs) Right. Like if it's a phone number or something like, Oh, I need to reach out, you know, but I don't know if I'm going to pass by here or if it's going to be here next time. So I'm just going to slow down enough and then just get it. These opportunities, all these opportunities and these signs are out there. You just have to know how to acknowledge them and how to take action towards them. If you see and you're like, Oh, that's too good to be true. Just go for it. See what happens. Yeah, have fun with it. I mean, you just never know what can happen. I mean, I think, at least for me, is that sense of rejection. And you feel like that rejection everybody sees, but nobody knows about. Like, they're not going to know if they don't hit you back. Or, right. You know? Yeah, we're, we're also afraid of rejection. And that's okay. I mean, it makes you feel some type of way. But I think people probably, you know, they think they're going to get rejected and they're going to think less of themselves. Like, oh, they don't want me. They don't. It's like, that's not the case. The case is that's probably not even the right one for you. Like, when, that's, that's one thing. That's the way that I like to live. Like, if it doesn't go according to plan, that's okay because that's probably not the right one. A better one is probably on its way. Just relax. Yeah, yeah it just wasn't the right fit. You know, it might have it might have caused more of a headache than, you know, excitement. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know. So man, you, you so t- tell us a little bit about the concerts in Minnesota before we kind of jump into the, onto the West coast. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about the concerts. So like, like anybody else, I absolutely love music. And when I got to do the MMA thing and the basketball thing, I was like, these are like my two favorite sports. I can't believe I get to film them. Like that was so great. I was like, okay, well, what else do I love? I like, well, I love music and I love EDM. And Minnesota has a huge EDM scene. And I was like, how do I get inside the EDM shows with my camera to film this? So what I ended up doing is I was like, okay, I, I know who's promoting these concerts. Now I just have to find who's the owner of the promoter of the promotion company. Okay. Cause I found out who he was. Okay. Now I got to find out where he hangs out. Okay. He hangs out at the bar where all the concerts are happening. Cool. So I ended up going to one of the concerts and I'm like, I'm just going to look for him at the bar. And I found him at the bar. And I'm like, I'm just going to go sit next to him, sit next to him. Hey, you want a drink? I offered him a drink. He, he gets the drink. And I'm like, Hey, I'm a, I just moved to Minnesota. I'm a filmmaker. I'd love to shoot some concerts for you. And he like responds the exact same way. He's like, you know what? I was just talking to my friend or to his partner about getting someone to film concerts. It's like, it's almost the exact conversation that I had when I got into MMA. And I was like, I'm your guy. And he's like, would you like to come next week to film a concert? I'm like, absolutely. And I, you know, I went the following week and then I went almost every single weekend until I moved to California where I just filmed freaking everybody. And there were so many times that I'm filming somebody and I'm just like, I can't believe I'm here right now. Like I'm yep. filming my favorite DJs all the time. And I'm like, I just cannot <laughs> believe that I'm doing this right now. I have tons of pictures with like yeah. a lot of my favorite DJs. Um, and yeah, it just, it happened because I took the initiative where I'm like, I know who it is and I know where to find him. I'm just going to go meet him and, you know, let him know that I'm interested. And, you know, I got lucky that he was like, yeah, come out. And, you know, once I got that opportunity, like I remember when I was editing this, I was like, I have to make this the best video I can possibly make it because I get one mm-hmm. chance at this. Yep. Luckily, he, he was like blown away. He's like, I love it. Can we do this again next week? I'm like, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I would just dedicate myself to shooting uh, concerts. And here's the crazy part. Uh, this, this goes to, 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 so everyone can kind of see like the dedication that it took for me to, to realize all of my dreams is like, I would do the NBA thing 
in the, uh, from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. for a game day. And if it was like a Friday or Thursday or Saturday game, there was probably a concert afterwards. So I would finish filming at 10 with the NBA team cleanup. And then the concert would happen two hours later or an hour later. And luckily the venue was like down the street. So like it wasn't very far from my office, the concert venue. And, and then I would go to the concert and I would film till about 2.30 in the morning. So my day would start at eight in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. And I would get home at like three and I would still have like so much energy, but it was like just this energy of like gratitude that I just got to do all these amazing things. Like, dang man, I just got to film like, Kobe Bryant or whatever. And then I just got to film my favorite DJ. Like, this is just incredible. And I did it all with a Canon 7D <laughs> at the time. So nothing even fancy. It was just a Canon 7D. Um, but yeah, that was incredible. Like, doing all of that stuff and yeah. coming home. Guys and girls who are listening to this, if that doesn't teach you anything about the, the obsession that is required to really get yourself to the next level or wherever you want to go, I don't know what does. And I, I don't want to, don't take this as discouragement, take this as, as a, I guess, more of a tough love standpoint. If, you're, if you don't obsess over it like that, you know, and, and you just won't make it to the next level of, of where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it, that's, that's a big part of it. It's work. I mean, it just comes down to work. You know, we, we try to find shortcuts and, it, you know, it always comes back to work. And it, it's not even from a competitive standpoint. I don't even think it's a, from a com- competitive standpoint. It's, it just comes down to that's what's required for, to get you, to get yourself to the next level. Like, don't, stop worrying about the, the person next to you, you know, in terms of competing against them, like, that's what it takes to get you. Yeah, that's one thing. That never worry about the person next to you. Never compare yourself to anybody else, uh, because that's was it. That's, that's that's just subjective anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> just subjective. Yeah, just uh, hustle and worry about yourself and figure out like what do I need to do to get better? How can I challenge myself? Uh, if it's a client you're working with, how can I, you know, blow them out the water to to what they want? I, what really stands out to me about that whole thing and, and just kind of hearing you you speak about how you would go achieve your goals and, and progress is how you would break it down. Okay, how do I go into this? Then you would ask another question, how do I go into that? How important is that, is asking the right questions in in the growth? Yeah, ask, ask the right questions and then um, problem solving. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, like that question is the problem. How do I get here? That's the problem, okay, now solve it. Um, that's, all, that's all it really is, just problem, yeah, problem solving. Just break it down. Problem solving, yeah, break mm-hmm. it down. Work backwards if you have to. Work backwards if you have to. It's like, okay, I work for this company. How did I get here? Well, I had to get in touch with this person. Okay. And then, you know, work it backwards that way. Yeah. There was this one thing, and this kind of more touches on the business side of the art industry, where um, it's like if you have a goal of hitting 100000 a year, whatever whatever it may be, right? Okay, 100000 a year, I need to get 10 jobs priced at uh, 10000 Okay, how do I do that? Okay, well, I need to get 10 jobs, or I need to call uh, 50 people you know, in order to get those 10. So, or 50 people to say yes, right? Okay, in order to get 50 people to say yes, I got to call 100 people or 200 people, right? Depending on what the ratio is. And it's like, yeah, you said work backwards. Ask yourself questions. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's huge. I I think it's huge because sometimes we just, it's it's simple, but I think we just overcomplicate it sometimes. And it's like, okay, break it down, break it down. You're, you know, you're looking big picture. Okay. Let's kind of zoom in in a little bit. What's, what are, what's something that you can do today? Yes. Right now, you don't have to wait on anything. You don't have to wait on any resources that will get you closer. 
Absolutely. That's actually how I break down goals sometimes is like, I have a big goal. It's like, okay, what can I do today to get me closer to that goal? Because let's say you wanted to, to work with someone um, and you know, you're like, oh, I really want to make a film with this person. Well, that might not happen tomorrow, but what can you do today to get you closer to them? Um, whether it's updating your portfolio, creating business cards or just anything, but just, you know, work every single day towards, towards your goals. And before you know it, you'll be there. Maybe even faster yeah. than you think it will. It will. You, just, you just never know. So what kind of questions were you asking yourselves or what kind of problems were you trying to solve when you did finally come to the West Coast? Uh, let's see. Well, I, I ended up coming to the West Coast because a friend of mine worked with the Kings and he sort of told me, he's like, hey, there's an opening with the Kings. I know you wanted to come to California. Do you want to come work with us? And then like I was telling you earlier, I, I had kind of maxed out what I thought, everything I had learned and everything I achieved in Minnesota. I was like, I love it here. I love doing the the music thing. I love doing the basketball thing, but you know, I wanted to expand my knowledge and you know, my, the things that I can achieve. So I was like, it's time, you know, it's time to go. So kind of like the, I wouldn't say I had too many problems coming in here. I, when I got to Sacramento, it was just about, um, proving myself again, because I have now have to prove myself to new people. Um, but prove it to myself too. Like, can, you know, can I get better? And then you know, the obvious answer is yes, I can. Uh, but it opened up new opportunities. When I got to when I got to Sacramento, I got to travel a lot, like right away. Um, and it was just making the most out of those opportunities and trying to create the best videos because they're giving me, you know, this great opportunity to travel and shoot. So shit, make the mess, make the most of it. Mm -hmm. What was, um, cause you're always challenging yourself. Do you recall like a specific, you know, creative, um, Thing or, or just way of doing work that you, you wanted to try when you got here back, yeah. in, you know, back, not back, but got here into SAC. Yeah. I wanted to uh, create more stories and I got, I got a good opportunity to do a lot of that where I got to create much bigger projects than, you know, some of the smaller projects that we were doing. Um, I got a lot of that responsibility and I think I, ex I, I think I excelled at it because I loved everything that I created. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. I really wanted to, you know, do more storytelling and they gave me that opportunity here. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to do more storytelling? I think it, because it was, it was, a, it was a new challenge that I, I wanted to take on, um, to learn how to tell stories because I knew how to create videos, but now I wanted to learn how to tell a story. And I had a really good manager here that was a great storyteller. So he, uh, he helped, you know, he walked me through a lot of that and I learned so much from him in such a small time, especially like editing and cutting interviews and stuff like that. Uh, cutting out the fat of interviews that you don't yep. need. You can shoot an interview for like an hour where you're like, bro, I need two minutes uh, out of this. How do I find the best two minutes? And he taught me how to do that. So yeah, it, which again is what I was saying is like, I wouldn't have learned that had I not come to Minnesota because I, you know, I had to move to learn from new people. Mm -hmm. What kind of impact did you notice that videos that you focused on storytelling had versus the videos that, you know, were just kind of highlight videos? Well, the, one of the videos that I did storytelling wise got like a million views, which was probably like one of my first million views videos. So I was very happy about that. Um, but yeah, it's just like the storytelling aspect, uh, really taught me a lot about myself, about how I like to edit, how I like to shoot. Um, how to put together, you know, a story, uh, what I need to, what I need to shoot for, to complete the story. What, one of the things I like to do is edit while I'm shooting actually too. That's like, I'm like, I'm like shooting something. I'm like, where, how does this fit into the story? Okay. Now what's the shot that I need 
tell this the best way possible. I could run over there to the other side of the court and get the shot. Like, you know, do things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Coming back to story, you know, being your focus when you were here at the Kings, does that kind of tie any, anything that you learned back in film school? Because I think in film school, especially in an era where all you could shoot is film and you have to really think about what you're doing before you even start filming, you know, how was the, how can I phrase this? You're still in, your storytelling approach here in Sacramento, but then also the emphasis of uh, storytelling in film school. Yeah, in film school we did, I mean, it was all storytelling because we, we were making short films, um, but like story arcs and things like that, that's, that's you know, what I, what I take away from that. Uh, in, in school we wrote scripts, but here we didn't, we, it's more like documentary wise. Um, so like I was saying, like we, we don't, we were, we're shooting, but we don't know where the story is fully going, but as you're shooting it, you're editing it in your head. And then the next time you do an interview, you ask different questions and yeah, you just sort of, I guess, create it sort of on the fly. <laughs> um, but you just adjust as you, as the story is moving along. Like, oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. You know, let me add another question to that to, en to enhance the story. Damn. So w tell us a little bit about your travels. I mean, how did that kind of influence, you know, the way you would work? Man, it's it, the, the traveling, not just influenced my work, but my entire life. Um, I got to travel when I was with the Kings to uh, Haiti very early on uh, in my career with the Kings. I got to travel to Haiti with one of our players and that just like completely changed my life forever. Um, as you guys know, there was like uh earthquake in Haiti. I think it was an earthquake and it just like destroyed the entire island and it's still destroyed. Like to this day, there's freaking buildings that are like tipped over and people live in just these crazy environments that, yeah, it's just unimaginable. Um, but we went there to tell the story of our player, Scal, uh, who was in, you know, was there in Haiti while the earthquake happened. And then he, uh, the, the, the whole island had been destroyed, but he was a good basketball player. So he got adopted by a family in Kentucky. And then he played basketball in, uh, out here in the States and then, you know, made it to the NBA. So we went back to tell his story. And, you know, just being there and, you know, seeing how they live just completely changed my life. And that's why, I, I, you know, that's one of the reasons that I wake up and I'm just grateful, you know, grateful for what I have, grateful for my home, grateful for the, everything. Uh, because I saw, what, you know, how people live there. He told a great story too, man. Like it was mm -hmm. freaking just awesome. And these videos are still on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, they're still on YouTube. They're still on YouTube. Um, what can people search up? Uh, Scalabissier uh, probably goes to Haiti. I think it might, it might be the simplest. It'll be on YouTube on the Kings page for sure. Um, yeah, it, it turned out great. It turned, I think we did a really great job. Again, luckily my boss at the time, my manager, he was a great storyteller. So, you know, uh, he totally... Helped, helped walk me through to make sure we told the best story. So I'm grateful for him for that too. What were some things just kind of watching, you know, um, your like manager, your boss, yeah. right? Um, what, what was just kind of watching how he works and how he, how he did things? How was it different? Oh man. So he was like writing the story as everything was happening. So I could just see him like standing back and like writing questions on a notebook. And I'm like, what's he doing? And then once it was interview time, he's got his like notepad and he's got all these great questions that he's asking different people. So yeah, just watching him work actually helped me a lot. Like he was on his feet and like 
creating a story as everything was going. Cause you know, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a documentary. We have an, a, a rough idea of what we're going to, of the story you want to tell. But once you're there and you're talking to people, it just, you know, changes everything. Like I said, like they tell you something you've didn't know about and you're like, dang, we got to cover that now. We got to cover that now. But just watching him sort of transition his questions and stuff like that, that was super valuable to me. So just traveling to these different places, to these countries, not only affected the way you would work, but affected a more core aspect of you, of, of your character. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of being grateful. Yeah. yeah. It was much deeper than just, you know, going out there and filming and then creating a story for, you know, our website or our YouTube. Like it just, yeah, it was deep. Like I still like have an affinity and a love for the people of Haiti just because of what I experienced there. You know, I, I wish to go back sometime. Like I've even said sometimes, like if I ever adopt someone or a child, which I plan to do it, I was like, I definitely want to adopt them from Haiti just because I was, I was there and I just saw everything. And I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Was it through one of these documented pieces that you won an award? Another award? The second award that I won, uh, with it was with the Sacramento Kings. It was... um. Uh, telly award and that was actually just for a sort of like a hype video that I had created um I had a bunch of footage in in all my cards and I was like I'm gonna put this together and just kind of like create something and see what happens so I just created a, a little hype highlight reel type of thing and you know I showed my boss and he's like this is amazing we need to put this up on the game day and then afterwards he's like I'm gonna enter this for an award and I'm like yeah sure and then, yeah, I, I won. And I was, I was, that one I was very surprised about because even though I know it was really good, I never created it with the intention to win anything. I just created it because my heart was like, let's create something tonight. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it won and I was you know, very excited for that. I ended up giving that award to my dad. So I took that back home and I was like, dad, this one's for you. My mom got the Emmy. You can get this one. Mm-hmm. So. Man, that's crazy. That's, that's nuts. What are some, I guess, that you've heard because I mean, I'm, I'm sure people reach out to you in terms of asking questions of your experience working with these sports teams. What are some of the bigger misconceptions that people think about or get, you know, about working with sports teams? I think that the, they think it's almost impossible to get in. Because they're like, oh, how'd you do it? And then I tell them, by sending an email, by, uh, you know, finding the right website. Which, if you're interested in sports, go to teamworkonline.com. Every single team for the most part, every single team puts up their jobs on there. Like if you want to be a videographer, you can find a job on there. If you want to be a photographer, you can find a job on there. If you want to do social, it's on there. Um, yeah, every team, you know, puts it on there. And that's what I used to do is uh, I used to go on there and then type in videographer and see all the teams that are looking for a videographer and be like, all right, I'm going to email all of them, you know, and uh, see what happens. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the place. Teamwork.com. Teamwork. Teamworkonline.com. Teamworkonline.com check for those of you who are. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and again, I, even, even me, you know, as a, as a, as a youngin, I probably thought that it was really hard to get into the league. Um, but luckily I had all that experience and I had a portfolio ready. And that's another thing. Uh, pro tip, just always have a portfolio ready. Always have your reel updated. You know, uh, you don't want to get ready. You want to stay ready. You don't want to see a great job opportunity come up and be like, oh, I want to apply for that, but I can't because I don't have my portfolio ready and I don't have, you know, this ready. No, 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 just always stay ready because you'd, you'd never know. Huge thing my high school coach always used to say, just stay ready, never have to get ready. I love it, I love it, yeah, man, that's, that's huge, <laughs> just stay ready. Yeah, shout out Coach Amon. Um, 
were there any, because you're traveling with these guys, you're long hours, you know, long days, you know, really, um, you see the highs, you see the lows. Were there any, like, certain players that you were closer to than others? Yeah, I have uh, Ricky Rubio, when she played in Minnesota, me and him got along really well because he preferred to speak Spanish. And I would kind of set up the interviews with him in Spanish, talk to him in Spanish, and then, you know, he would do the interview in English. But because of that, me and him got along really, really well. Um, he's come to visit in Sacramento when he's played, and, you know, we've linked up on the court and said, what's up, you know, which that's just awesome. The fact that he remembers me all these years. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who plays for Minnesota too, he's like their franchise player. Me and him had a great relationship, again, because he trusted me. And then when I got to Minnesota, or when I got here to Sacramento, um, I got a, started a great relationship with De'Aaron Fox, who I still work with to this day. Um, I've met him the, like his very first day that he came into the league. Cause I was, uh, at the NBA draft and we drafted him and I was there and I'm like, well, you're part of our team now. This, I'm, I'm Carlos. I'm the photographer and videographer. I'm going to take your pictures now. Uh, and we just started a great relationship since then. And that's, you know, that's still going till today where I work with him. Uh, I run his YouTube channel and create stuff for his channel. And then anytime he needs something small, uh, for media obligations for other things, I'll shoot that too. A couple of weeks ago, he needed a, to shoot a movie trailer. So I just went to his house and, you know, shot a, shot a trailer and then sent it to the production company, stuff like that. So like, I'll, I'll do little things as well. Yeah. Him, so it's little things, a movie trailer. Yeah, movie trailer. Yeah. That's not little bro. What the heck? Yeah. It, well, it was little because you know, it was just me and him and my camera. So no, no big production, no lights, just shoot it outside of his, uh, outside of his house. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, just great, 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 great relationships that I started because they trusted me and you know, um, I made sure to make it easy on them and make them look good. Even, even this last, the movie trailer, as soon as we got done, he, he goes up to me. He's like, Los, thank you, bro. It's like, thank you for making that so easy. Cause he had just woken up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, thank you, bro. Thank you for making that so easy. I'm like, I got you, man. I know, yeah, I know yeah. what you like, bro. I know what you like. I got you. Yeah. Aside from making it easy, how can you, how do you build that trust, man? Um, how do I build that trust? I, I've, I've always been, uh, because we, this is one thing is we mic up players so they're mic'd up the whole time. So I, I've come up to players and I'm like, listen, you're mic'd up, but I was like, I got you, bro. I was like, you say whatever. I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, put you, yeah. put you out there like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually like dead ass honest with them that way. Um, yeah, just treat, just, I just treat them like normal people, you know? They're, they're superstars, obviously, with millions and millions of dollars, but I just treat them like normal people because, you know, they like to be treated that way too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they... They're, they're just dealing with so many external factors, you know, if, like you said, if you can make it easy, if, if they can trust you in terms of you're not going to, you know, pull some, like put some audio out there that should right. be out there, yeah. you know, like having that trust. Cause like, you know, I think in, in those positions, you just feel like you just, someone's always out to, to get you or just to, to, to I guess in these, no, absolutely. In these days, yeah. you know, cancel you or something. You yeah, know? absolutely. And let me tell you that uh, those kinds of things do exist where like, I hey, probably shouldn't have said that, but yeah, we have their back and we're like, yeah, none of this yeah. is ever going to see the light of day. Yeah. So I just, I, I'm, I'm upfront with them about it. Yeah, no, hundred percent, dude. It's, um, same thing, you know, I've, I've been able to, to film with some people who are, you know, celebrities in, in, in the, the media world. And it's the same thing. You, you just treat them like normal people. You let them know, like, I have your back, you know, if there's something that you don't want out there, like I totally respect that. Yeah. You know, it's my job to make sure that it doesn't get out there. And, 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 uh, yeah, you just respect, you respect that. Yeah, absolutely. Man. So 
So, so you've been through a lot and I know we can talk for days cause I mean, <laughs> you can really dig into, into a lot of these things. I guess what's, what's, what's on the horizon for you? Uh, right now on the horizon, I'm working with uh, Mark Bell at uh, Slingshot. It's a gym here in Sacramento, but we also create products. So he's got like an entire product line that, you know, he creates for fitness uh, purposes and it's a pretty big company. So we create a lot of uh, media over there, commercials, YouTube stuff. And I've been there for about a little over a year and man, I've created like 600 videos for them. So, which, which has been great because that's taught me like so much about myself and how fast I can create. And it's taught me a lot about YouTube as well. Um, so that, that, that's one thing that's, uh, my big focus. And then anytime that I shoot with the Aaron and we got, you know, stuff going on, I head over there and shoot. Um, we got a super, super awesome big project that we're going to be working on at the end of the month. I can't say anything now cause I only know so much, but it's going to be like a documentary style, uh, big project that we're working on. And it, what's great about it is that, uh, it's a, it's, it's with, it's with a big company that, uh, that's doing the production, but they hit me up because they know that I have a relationship with them and they needed a shooter. And they're like, you're his shooter, right? I'm like, yeah, like, okay, we're going to hire you for, you know, these shoots. So yeah, I've been fortunate uh, with that, that, that it happened as well. It's exciting. I know, man. I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about it. I'm not going to lie. The, the, the documentary idea that we're shooting, I kind of had that idea a couple months ago, but uh, I, you know, I, I, w I wasn't going to do it cause I don't have the money to, to make it happen, but, but they have the money to make it happen. So I was like, wow, I totally had this idea a couple months ago. So, but the universe hooked me up, you know, I'm here and I'll be, I'll be shooting it. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, this is, this will be my second documentary that I shoot. I shot one, um, was it like two summers ago? I shot Enhanced 2. Um, and the, I want to get into this one just for a second for you yeah. guys. Uh, I was freelancing a couple summers ago, uh, just, you know, doing work here and there in SAC. And I went on Craigslist one day just to check what was, what was popping on Craigslist. And there was a videographer position. They were like, we need a videographer for three days. And I'm like, I got three days. I can shoot this. Sure. So I emailed them and they emailed me back and sent them, you know, my portfolio. Stay ready guys. Send them my portfolio. They loved it. They text me back or they hit me back right away. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Can you shoot this uh, documentary that we're working on? I'm like, yeah, sure. What is it? It was a steroids documentary, right? I don't know anything about steroids <laughs> at that time. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll shoot it. Uh, the shoot was, you know, only a couple blocks from my house, which was perfect. But, uh, I was shooting with, uh, this guy, his name is Tony huge. And, uh, he's really into steroids. Do you know Tony? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had just met him at the time. It's a totally great guy. I got nothing but love for Tony. And, uh, that was my first experience shooting a full length documentary by myself. Um, because I ended up, I started with three days, but they loved my footage so much that they were like, could we just extend it till the very end? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I shot for like two months. Um, yeah, bro. I shot for two months and then, uh, it became a full length documentary and I think you can find it on iTunes and Amazon. Um, check it out. Enhanced, enhanced too. too. Yeah. Um, it was crazy, bro. It was, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about steroids. I shot a lot of really weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, but at the end of it, I was super proud of myself because I was like, okay, I shot my first full length documentary, you know, and it's on, uh, you can find it, you know, in streaming sites. Like I was very proud of myself. I mean, you were the DP. I was yeah? the DP. Yeah. When the, when the movie is over and it says, you know, DP, you'll see my name on there. That's crazy. Cause I, th I think a lot of people who aren't really familiar with the film industry, they think that the director does everything. Right. Cause like that's the first thing that pops up, but the DP. The DP, bro. I was there every single day shooting, you know, fucking you know, show up at like 8 a.m. I'd be done at like 10 p.m., but I'd be shooting, 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 shooting. Um, 
And then I would turn in the footage and someone else edited it. But yeah, I was there every day making sure, you know, I got everything that I needed. Super proud of myself for that. Um, that was actually a goal that I had set earlier in that year. I, uh, it was the beginning of the year and I like to do this at the beginning of the year, um, for the last couple of years is I have my journal and I start writing down some of my goals. That was one of them that I wrote that I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this, but I'm going to film uh, a movie by the end of the year. And I think I might've wrote a documentary too. So I wrote that in January and then come June, I'm working on this documentary and I'm, you know, the head DP on it. Crazy, crazy how that happened. But, but I had, you know, I writ- wrote it down and I was like, I'm going to make this happen. I don't know how, but it'll happen. And then the opportunity presented itself. Do you write down like your goals? All, and, yeah. And, yeah. all the time, all the time, all the time. I'm trying to get into a habit of writing uh, my goals for the day, the previous night, and then, you know, starting attacking them the next morning. But uh, as far as like big goals, yeah, I write everything down. Um, writing down things gives it power. So I, I like to think of it as like, I let the universe know, like, this is what I want. And I start to move towards those goals. And then the universe will move them towards me too. And we'll meet in the middle. And before I know it, I'll be doing, you know, such X thing that I want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find really useful is schedules. Oh, for sure. Schedules like at the beginning of the day or maybe the previous night, like it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, for sure. Keeps you accountable for where you have to be and what you have to do without you sitting there like, what should I be doing right now? Should I be on Instagram right now or should I be doing my work? Well, it says here I'm scheduled to do this. So do this instead. Yeah. It's like you're your own boss. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, well, I mean, you are, but I think it gives you that like, uh, Cause that's the biggest thing in, in freelancing. It's, it's on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this, like you're the one that has to discipline yourself to get work done by a certain time at a certain, you know, quality or, or a certain criteria. Right. And I think if productions like schedules and just other different ways of, of making it seem like, okay, you're our, you know, uh, Yuli number two is telling Yuli number one to, you know, do this and that by this time. And yeah, so it, it really does kind of put you in that perspective of, okay, yeah, you're, I got to do this. Ultimately, you're responsible for your own life. You're no one else. Um, I like to live this way too. Like, don't have a victim mentality. Like, this didn't work out because this person, this didn't, no, it's like, no, it's my fault if, if something didn't work out. So the whole schedule thing, if you didn't stay on schedule, that's your fault. Yeah. You know, you wrote it down, it's your fault. Um, and I think just, just, I guess, in a team setting, if everybody can have that mentality of, you know, it's my fault or it's our fault, you know, then I think it's, it's, uh, I mean, you're just, you just set yourself up for, for just growth and, and greatness. Yeah. Don't ever have a victim mentality. That's another pro tip. No victim mentality. Real quick, before we wrap up, um, if you were 18 or maybe just, how old were you when you graduated film school? When I graduated film school, I think 23 or, yeah, I think 23. Gotcha. So if you were 18 or just about to graduate film school, uh, knowing what you know now, not knowing anybody like network wise, but knowing what you know now and in this time of day, this time um, in age, I mean, what would you do differently and why? Mm, What I done differently, man, you know, that kind of thing, it's always hard to, to say because I'm very happy about where I am now. So if I like, if I would have done anything different, would it have changed anything? It's like, well, you know, I'm here because I made well, these decisions. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe not differently, but I guess let's say you're an 18 year old, 22 year old, 23 year old, or just graduating, stepping into the real world. What would you do? What would be the, like the first few steps you would take? Well, absolutely. I would uh, build my confidence up where rejection isn't a thing that like scares me. Um, because again, I 
like you were saying earlier, like, yeah, rejection is a very scary thing. And I know I definitely had that as well. Like I had confidence, but I was always afraid like of getting rejected. And like, does that mean I'm not good enough? You know, cause that's probably the one thing that we all think about. Like you get rejected, like I'm not good enough. Uh, I'll never be good enough. And those kinds of things will start eating at you. And like, before you know, you're like, I'm not going to pick up my camera anymore. You know, like those things happen. Um, so I would, you know, build my confidence up so much stronger. The, the, the same confidence that I have right now, I wish I had when I was 18 or 23. Um, cause I, I was, but not to the extent that I have it now. And I think that that would have, uh, gotten rid of so many headaches or heartaches or, you know, moments of uh, despair that I had, you know? So yeah, man, just confidence, just have confidence in yourself. Uh, you picked up, you picked up the camera for a reason. You picked up the camera to create, to express yourself, to be the best that you can be. So have freaking confidence in yourself. Someone says no, that's all right. Something better is probably coming. Boom, right there. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Hit me up on Instagram. I respond to everyone because uh, I got a lot of help when I first got started because I had really good mentors. So I want to do the same for everyone else. I respond to every single person and I'll go above and beyond to help you guys out any way that I can. I've set up people with interviews with other people that they want to connect. I've always done all those kinds of things, emailed people. Um, I think it's important that we, once we reach a certain level to give back, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to this level if people didn't give me opportunities. I wouldn't have gotten to this level if people just didn't give me the time. So I do the exact same thing for everyone else. And everyone that I mentor, I tell them the same thing. I was like, one day you're going to be in the position where you can give to other people. So just make sure you give that, you know, um, that's how this universe works. You give and you get back and you give and you get back and, you know, we all work together and make each other's lives better. There you have it. You didn't even mention your Instagram. Oh yeah, your yeah. Instagram? Find me on uh, House of Humanis at Instagram. Boom. Reach out to him. Any questions, anything like that, he's, he's willing to answer and uh, give back to the community. I always want to give back. Awesome. All right, guys, we're going to cut out to the outro. Peace. I had a great time talking with Carlos. This one is overdue. Honestly, we recorded it back in March and we're only getting to it now in June. Time flies, but I'm glad we were able to knock out this episode and get it out to you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Like I've said, Carlos is a super positive guy and that rubs off on me and anybody that he comes around. And I fuck with that energy. I really do. I want to thank Carlos again for coming out to the show and sharing his time with us. If you want to connect with him, links to his socials will be down below in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with someone. Till next time. Peace.